0: Hello there, everyone. I am Hunter Hodes here with the Locked On Penguins podcast, recording my intro for a third time because the Penguins decided to do a little bit of business after I finished recording and editing Friday's episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. First, they signed Vinny Hinostroza to a one-year $775,000 deal. And then they signed Andreas Jansen about an hour later to a one-year $800,000 deal. Kyle Dubas continuing to sign cheap depth forwards to bring into training camp camp is going to be a lot of fun this year seeing them go up against drew o'connor and alex Nylander and the other players that kyle dubas brought in on july one and these two players they can play henna stroza ranks in the 68th percentile for finishing at 5-on-5, five five, so he can finish his chances for sure. Andreas Janssen, he's a former 13-goal scorer and a former 20-goal scorer, excuse me, in the NHL. So these two guys are definitely going to be gunning for jobs at the NHL level. I will have a full breakdown and analysis of these two signings for the Monday edition of the Locked on Penguins podcast. I figured I would do a little insert to begin the show just by giving my few quick thoughts on these two signings. So without further ado, here is your regularly scheduled episode for Friday of the Locked on Penguins podcast. Your
1: Locked on Penguins, your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Penguins, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I am your host, Hunter Hodes. You're going to follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at LO underscore penguins. And of course, thank you all so much for making this your first listen slash watch of the day. We are free and available on all platforms. Joining me now is Doug Glackey of the 4 Checking TV. He's back on the Locked On Penguins podcast for the first time since, funny enough, Kyle Dubas was hired, and we've seen Kyle Dubas do a lot of things to the team since that date on June 1st. But, Doug, really appreciate you coming on for this Friday edition of the show.
1: Absolutely, man. Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, so the bottom six option that I thought would be a good topic to discuss on today's episode is Philip Zadina, previously of the Detroit Red Wings. He was placed on waivers earlier this week, was not claimed, and that that led to him having his contract terminated by the Red Wings. Well, the contract termination was pretty mutual. Zadina wanted a fresh start. So he is now a free agent and can sign with any team. Made $1.8 million this past season, was the number six overall pick in the 2018 NHL draft. So it's no secret that he's been a bust. So far, to say the least, Doug, when you look at this player, even though the Penguins do not have cap space right now, but that could change if they're able to move some salary out, even in an Eric Carlson deal or for something else, would you take a flyer on Zadina in the bottom sex?
1: I definitely would. I feel like this is the exact type of player that Kyle Dubis should be taking a chance on. Um, You know, it's not, yes, Zadina's been a bust. To the standards of a sixth overall pick, but when you look at his underlings, you can see that there's still potential for him to be a very serviceable bottom six player. It's just all about figuring out the right way to deploy him and the right way to help make him work. And I think a good example of how, how they could do that would be deploy deploy him in a way that um, the Kraken were using Daniel Sprong last season. Um, you know, put him in a low event role put him with somebody who's okay at driving play, maybe somebody like Drew O'Connor or Alex Nylander, and just let them put up a bunch of points in low event situations.
0: I also could see them maybe putting him with Noah Chari, someone who's a bit more defensive, but Zadina can do a little bit of the offensive work because when you look at the underlines, he ranks in the 82nd percentile for five-on-five even strength offense among fourth liners. (laughs) That's pretty solid. Another thing that I do like about his game as well His defensive impact used to be bad. It's overall for his career, he ranks in the 41st percentile for five-on-five even strength defense. But for this past season, he ranked in the 75th percentile. This was a player the last couple of seasons before this one who ranked in around the 8th percentile, 10th percentile. So he has really worked on that side of his game. I would take a flyer on him as well, maybe for league minimum, maybe a little bit more than that. I don't think I'd go over a million or anything like that i would send him to a one-year deal but i think he is someone who you know could turn into a good bottom six player on a contender he's only 24 years old as well so he still has room to grow as a player not a good finisher only ranks in the sixth percentile for that so you're probably not going to get too many goals out of him. But I, again, I still think there is a path to this player being a good bottom six option with good impacts at both sides of the rink.
1: Yeah, definitely. You know, and the whole him being in the 70th percentile last year is huge because, you know, in in that situation, you could put him on a fourth line with Nolichari. You know, let him be a good little second option on that line to help get get the puck to achari in some situations as we know that we know achari's capable of contributing offense i don't think that out of all the bottom six guys we've seen them sign to multi-year deals in the past 4 to 5 years i think achari might probably be the best at putting the puck in the back of the net um at least that's what i'm hoping
0: i agree with that and you know before this season at least Zadina has had one good season at putting the puck in the back of the net just two seasons ago, had 10 goals, 24 points for the Red Wings. So that has the makings of a at least a solid fourth liner, but you could right. also build him up to a third liner. This is just a player that really needs to get his confidence back. That's the main thing. I don't think he's going to be just a game breaker on any team that signs him, but he needs to get his confidence back and – that's really the big thing I'm looking for with him. Again, even though the Penguins don't have a lot of cap space, I would still look into him because what, what does it hurt you? It's a low risk, high reward signing for someone who will definitely give you the defensive impacts, as are a lot of these signings that they made. You know, Lars Eller, Noah Chari, and Matt Nieto will all give the Penguins really solid defensive impacts. But if you can get you know a little more offense out mm-hmm. of Zadina, especially with his playmaking ability. That can help, you know, maybe some of those other players score a bit more. I think that's also big as well. So I would be really curious to see if the Penguins do show interest in him, you know, in the next few days, weeks, however long it takes for him to sign.
1: Yeah, I agree with that, you know. And like you said, with him having the playmaking ability, I don't think it would be a necessarily a bad thing to have somebody down on that fourth line to be a bit of a facilitator in a sense. Because that's something the Penguins haven't had in a very, prob- probably in, since the, the, the two cups, is they haven't had somebody capable of like being like a setup guy to help not the less skilled fourth line guys, but guys that you're not expecting a whole hell of a lot of offense out of score more points and get the puck in the back of the net more.
0: Maybe so on like an Eric Fair type role on yep. the fourth line during like that 2016 yep. Stanley Cup run. Someone who's good defensively, can chip in, can also, as you said, set players up as well. So that's going to be something to monitor, I think, over the coming days, slash weeks. Again, I think he offers the full package. If you, you can get him for the league minimum, maybe a little bit more, I would definitely be all over it when it comes to that. But that wraps up this first segment of the Locked on Penguins podcast for Friday. Let me know your thoughts about Philip Zadina. Down in the comments if you're watching on YouTube or send me a DM on social media, would you potentially sign him to a cheap deal and take a flyer on him, and see what he can do in a bottom six role on a better team like the Penguins, even though he hasn't lived up to his billing yet for his career so far. 28 goals, 68 points in 190 games. In 30 games this past season, finished with three goals and seven points. But before we get to... Our next topic, which will be Sam Poulin at Development Camp. And it's awesome to see him back with the organization. We do have to discuss FanDuel. Take your first swing at betting MLB on FanDuel and get 10 times your first bet amount in bonus bets up to $200. That's right. Just bet 20 bucks and you'll land $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. That's $200. You can spend betting everything from the money line to the over under to who will even get the first home run in a game, and it's on an app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. So sign up today and visit fanduel.com slash locked on to get up to $200 of bonus bets. That's fanduel.com slash locked on. Fanduel, the official partner of Major League Baseball and locked on. All right, I'm back in this episode of the Walked On Penguins podcast. I am your host, Hunter Hodes. Follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. Follow the show's Twitter at Penguins. And, of course, thank you all so much for making this your first listen slash watch of the day. I am joined by Doug Glackey of the 4 Checking TV. And if any of you are on Threads, which is the new social media app, you can find me there at HH underscore 279. So, Doug, Penguins Development Camp wrapped up. Earlier this week, it was nice to see Braden Yeager going up against some of the other prospects in the system. I thought he looked pretty good from some of the highlights that the Penguins put out there on their official website and on Twitter. Same with Owen Pickering. But there's a player that I think is getting not as much love, at least right now, or getting underlooked, I should say. And that was Sam Poulin, who was back with the Penguins, came back to the team in April after – He was away from the team since December. He was focusing on himself and his mental health. And honestly, just sticking with that for a second, I love seeing athletes opening up and sharing their experiences and normalizing mental health as someone who deals with anxiety on a daily basis. I can relate to and sympathize with Sam Poulin very much. And I'm very open about my anxiety on the show. So I really appreciated Sam opening up about his situation and just, you know, again, telling everyone that, you know, you're not alone. I got help and I'm doing a lot better right now. So I really appreciated Sam for doing that. But he seems to be in really good spirits. It looks like he's going to probably start the season in Wilkesbury. But honestly, Doug, I think he's going to get a fair shot at training camp once it opens in September. And I think there's a chance that you will see him on the Penguins in some capacity this, this season. Even if he doesn't make the team out of camp, he's not in my mock roster to start the season i think he's definitely going to be a call up at some point if he plays well down on wilkesbury
1: yeah i think that to start the year he's like one of the first two or three guys that would come up if injuries occur you know i think the big thing with sam is just getting him back into games and getting him reacclimated to the day-to-day grind as well as um they need to work him back in at wing i in my opinion You know, whenever he first came up, they made it sound like it was a one trick pony type thing where, like where he has to play center. That's where his 200 foot game is the best. They need to work on evolving his 200 foot game to the point where he can play the preferably left wing, I would say in order to help him fit in the lineup more and have more versatility to move up and down the lineup.
0: I would say that's pretty fair. I think at this point he's probably not going to be a pure 200 foot center At the NHL level, but I think with his offensive ability, he's definitely better suited for that part of his game on the wing played in 15 games for Wilkes-Barre this season finished with four goals overall has 20 goals and 41 points in 87 AHL games for Wilkes-Barre also has played in three NHL games has one assist in those games. I think once he starts getting some games under his belt getting just back to playing hockey he did play in the last two games for Wilkes-Barre. Last season on April seventh and April tenth before Wilkesbury season ended, but that's still really only two games of hockey since what December basically. So right. you got to get him reacclimated. He's got to go through training camp. If he doesn't make the team, he'll go back down, spend some time with Wilkesbury, play some games, and when the Penguins injury bug hits, and it usually does at some point during the season, he should be one of the first players called up because I think all of us expect Drew Connor to make the team out of camp. I think Alex Nylander is also in that equation. But outside of those two, you know, people like to look for that quote unquote next wave from Wilkesbury. I think Poulin is definitely in there with someone like a Valteri Pustin, who is also getting close to being an NHL player. In terms of call-ups, those two are probably the first ones when injuries occur. And I'm just excited that he's back playing hockey because I am really intrigued about him coming into this season. I also think he's worked on his defensive game quite a bit down in Wilkesbury. Honestly, I think he can be an all-situations type of player with the Penguins in a bottom six role if he does come on the team in some capacity this year.
1: Yeah, and I think that that's what they need him to be, you know, Um, especially with the potential of there might come an opportunity where Drew O'Connor is going to have to move over to center and become a full-time NHL center. So they're going to need more winger options. Um, You know, and I think, I think with Sam, I I'm intrigued too. I think that there's a lot of good qualities there. It's just a matter of, you know, the team in Wilkes-Barre as well as the development team up in Pittsburgh doing everything in their power to try and get those qualities out of him on a consistent basis. Because we all know that when it's good, it's great. And whenever he's bad, he can be really bad.
0: I agree with that. And you know, that O'Connor thing at center, that intrigues me a bit as well, because if he can play center he's played basically wing for all this NHL game so far, that could allow other players in the Penguins lineup to maybe slide down a bit or go into different roles that suit them a bit better. For example, maybe Lars Eller. I know people have kind of mocked him to be the Penguins' third-line center this season, which I think is a little ridiculous because he doesn't have the offensive capabilities to be in that role. When I when I think of a third-line center, Doug, I'm sorry, I'm getting away from Poulin a little bit here, but when I think of a third-line center, I think of someone who can put up 30, 35 points, maybe even upwards of 40 points. I don't think that's Lars Eller Anymore, And if he's on the fourth line and he's putting up 20-25 points, I think the Penguins are doing just fine with that. So if you have O'Connor as a center, maybe that's even on the third line or something if you want to try that out for a few games, and you maybe have Poulin on the wing, I would be intrigued about that on a third line with whoever you want to put next in. Maybe that's like a Nolachari, maybe that's a Alex Nylander. You want to go full young kid line right there, you can put Alex Nylander on a mock line like that with Drew O'Connor and Sam Poulin, I would be pretty interested to see that, to see how the underlings would look. But O'Connor at center opens up a lot of possibilities, especially when Poulin is on the team, because I think those two could work real well together in terms of generating offense in the offensive zone.
1: Yeah, I agree. You know, and the whole thing with Drew is I think that he can develop into a 15 to 20 goal. 40 point third line center, which is something that they've been needing for a very long time now. Let's face it. Um, you know, it, it's going to be, it's going to be interesting to see how things shake out because I mean, opinions might be differing here, but I think, you know, that I'm of the opinion of the third line right now, as compared to what it could be on opening night, are probably going to be two completely different things. I think that Dubis is still trying to make moves and create cap space in order to develop that flexibility. Um, and who knows, we could have a completely different third line in terms of what it could look like if he makes a trade or two before October.
0: I agree. And I still want to see another score down there, maybe someone that can put up 16 to 18 goals, but if injuries do hit, I really like the possibility of seeing Poulin coming up, coming up, excuse me, from Wilkesbury. And playing a few games, getting some more NHL experience, because I do see him as a full-time NHLer at some point. He just needs to develop a little bit more, in my opinion. But I'm just happy that he is back, just to wrap things up here with this segment with the organization. And that he's just back to, it looks like himself, but that wraps up this second segment coming up to end the show. We're going to look at some potential changes to the power play this upcoming season and what I want to see from the Penguins in that department and also give Doug, get Doug's thoughts. So that's coming up right now for this break. All right, I'm back here in this episode of the Locked on Penguins podcast. I am your host, Hunter Hodes. I'm joined here by Doug Lackey. So this past season, Doug, the Penguins ranked 14th in the league in power play percentage, 21.7%. I'm sorry, that's unacceptable, especially with the talent that this team has at its disposal. Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, Chris Letang, Ricard Raquel, Jake Gensel. There are no excuses for that unit to be outside the top 10, even though a good chunk of those players are 30 and above, they are still very much elite players in the league. And there were so many instances this season where the penguins just their power play gave games away. They had chances to win games with that unit and that unit couldn't take advantage. And I think that's one of the biggest reasons why they couldn't get just a single point to make the playoffs this past season And when I look at potential changes to the power plate, this is also without Eric Carlson right now. I know it took me almost 24 minutes to go without an Eric Carlson reference for today's show. I'm proud of that. Trust me. I I am. I can only talk about Eric Carlson so much. But don't worry. We'll get to Eric Carlson in just a second. But when it comes to adjustments for this upcoming season for me, I want to see the power play go through Evgeny Malkin a bit more. I thought Tar Reardon and company got away from that this past season. They're not setting Evgeny Malkin up for his quote unquote, Gino bombs from the right side of the ice that he just blows past any goaltender. They need to do more of that. The zone entries also have to be better. The amount of times I saw that stupid slingshot pass backwards you have to go backwards to go forwards was so awful. I I hate that because it gives the penalty killers on the opposition more time to set up and the, the opposition knew what the penguins were going to do on their power play because it was so vanilla. And those are the two main changes that I'm looking at heading into this season on the power play. When you look at this unit, Doug, what changes do you want to see made?
1: Well, you got me thinking with the whole setting up for the for the Geno bomb. He should just play the right wing on, you know, that maybe potentially take him off the point and, like, let, in this case, Ricard, Raquel, or Jake run it. Um, you know, I think that that might be something they could benefit from. Um, obviously, stop with the drop pass zone entry. That's something that's needed to stop for multiple seasons now at this point. Probably 45, um, to be honest. Yeah. Like we're 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 going on that five year mark of that that which is crazy. Um you know, and I think a lot of it's just trying to shoot more. Like I think that they need to shoot at will. Like they you know, like I think Dougie's that
0: Dougie's a shoot it guy, everybody. He's one of those I, guys who yells I'm shoot the in the crowd.
1: I'm, I'm not that guy, but I am, you know, sometimes I think that. But um no, I think a lot of it is gonna have to be let it run through malkin a lot more i mean we all know that he has that wicked one-time shot and um you know i think also utilize jake a little more you know i i see how i've, t- I've said this on the show before like how dallas runs their power play through rope hints they could easily do the same thing with jake Gensel and have jake just put up a just boatload of points you know but um other than that, I think that that's like what I would change. Um, I also am kind of interested w- of the idea of Ricard Raquel at the half wall. I think that he's a good shooter and he has a great shot, and that would help get deflections in front for Sid and Jake. Um, but other than that, that's pretty much it.
0: You bring up a good point about Raquel. There were a few instances, instances, excuse me, last season where I kind of thought they were trying to run the power play through him, and he kind of reminded me of that. Phil Kessel presence on the power play. Someone who is a deadly passer and can really rip the puck, whether it's a one-timer, whether he's using his beautiful wrist shot from the left half wall. I would be curious to see if Tar Reardon gives him more reps with him, maybe quarterbacking the unit from that half wall, because I don't think the Penguins have truly replaced Kessel on the power play ever since he was dealt to Arizona. In the trade that brought back P.O. Joseph and Alex Galchenyuk. I also want to see Chris Letang not be so hesitant at the point. I think mm-hmm. that was a big thing on the unit. He would get the puck, think about shooting it. No, he would defer. Dude, use your shot more. It's a very nice slap shot. And I don't think he used it nearly enough this past season. And sure enough, this is where maybe Eric Carlson comes into play if the Penguins are able to get him. Doug, you, you want to imagine a power play that looks like Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, Jake Denzel, Chris Latang, and Eric Carlson, or maybe you even take Latang off, which I mean he would probably be a little upset about that, but whatever. And you put Ricard Raquel there and they, they might be cooking with gas. Either way, Carlson can really run a power play. would kind of remind me of some Sergei Gonchar vibes, to be honest.
1: The truth is I th- I think that if they do do this and, they, and Kyle does go and get Eric Carlson – Letang and Carlson both have to be on the same unit. Um, I'm perfectly fine with PO quarterbacking the second unit, PO or Ty Smith in this scenario. Um, but what I would do is Carlson's at the left, left half wall, Letang's at the point, Jake's Jake's up front tipping, Sid's working it down low, and Malkin's at the right wall, just ripping it.
0: That should be a top five power play in the league.
1: It could honestly probably be like a one of the most deadliest power plays of our lifetime. Like if they are able to stay together for that many years.
0: I don't think it's going to be the Edmonton Oilers power play of this past year. That was at 32%, which led the league. Those are numbers that are ridiculous because Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl are absolute wizards on the power play. But I think you could see a power play be what? 25 26 something like that that it should be a top five unit especially when you have Carlson up there running things because he is a great power play quarterback we all know how great he is at five on five with his offensive ability but he can really quarterback a power play Penguins fans have seen that up close numerous times heck he was great against the Penguins in the two games with the Sharks this mm-hmm. even though the Penguins split those two games Carlson was a one-man wrecking crew, both 5-on-5 and especially on the power play. So that would be a lot of fun as well. But overall, this unit needs to be better this upcoming season. Honestly, both special teams units need to be better. You saw the Penguins in free agency. I think they really tried to fix their penalty-killing issues. And now, especially if they do this Carlson trade, they're really going to potentially fix some of their power play issues. And even if they don't, I still think they can with the right deployment and the right fixes with the zone entries. Latang maybe being a bit more shot happy. Raquel running in a bit more from the left half wall. And, of course, Evgeny Malkin firing a lot more pucks to the net because Jake Ensel, I think, is one of the more underrated net front presences in the league.
1: Most definitely. Most definitely. And you make a great point about the PK. I'm looking forward to seeing what Riley Smith can do on the PK. As well as a lot of the other guys they signed, and plus we have to keep in mind like all those guys they brought in, and they're and Mike Sullivan's still probably going to find a way to work Brian Ruston because Brian Rust was not bad on the penalty kill, whenever he was called upon.
0: Agreed. Yeah, and I think the PK overall is going to be a lot better
1: th- th- this okay. season. All
0: these players they brought in uh, have great impacts on the PK. But Doug, I think that will do it for this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. Let everyone know where they can find you on social media and what's coming up next with Forechecking TV. All
1: right. You guys can follow me on Twitter at Doug underscore Gladke. You can follow Forechecking TV on Twitter at Forechecking TV. And as for us, I think a lot of it's just trying to figure out when we're going to record next. Um, I know that personally my plan is, is I'm waiting to see what happens with this Carlson stuff. But if it goes on another week without anything happening, I think we're going to have no choice but to record again. So,
0: My dog was about to just bark at something outside. So that's probably a good reason to wrap this thing up. Thrawn, it's okay, buddy. You don't need to be barking at something you see. But you all can go check out Doug there. You can follow him on social media. The show will be back on Monday of this upcoming week. Obviously, I have a different setup right now for those watching on YouTube. I am on vacation at my parents' house. I'll be heading to the beach on Saturday, but I will still have content for you all Monday through Friday of next week. That'll be the last week of daily episodes until training camp starts. We'll go back down to three episodes a week. But again, thank you all so much for listening slash watching. Hope you all have a wonderful weekend and I'll talk with you all on Monday.